to the PCAST. Each week we take you around Austin Peay, the Athletics Department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC, to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson. He is Dylan Schwartz, and it is finally, officially, and unquestionably spring until it snows again this weekend. Dylan, how you doing? I'm good, and to that point, well, I was at the baseball game yesterday and had a I had a blanket on top of me as well as a as a coat with a with a hoodie and pants. So I don't know about the 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 spring being here, even though it's officially spring. But it, I don't think it's I don't think it's here. Hey, it's a say. nice day today, though. That is true. Um, last week we heralded the arrival of March Madness, and this week I'm proud to tell you that at least for myself, my bracket is completely busted. Uh, yours? Well, it, my all my Final Four teams are still alive. Yeah, I can't say the same. Which stupid has, Nevada. <laughs> I had them in the Elite Eight, so I was obviously j- almost as mad as you were. Um, you know, this is the first time since, like, at least 2013, as I detailed my history of my Final Four teams or championship teams losing very early on in the tournament the past few years. But the first time since about 2013 where I've had Final Four teams all alive at this point in the stage. Now, my actual picking of the games has been very subpar this year, um, and I'm last in my bracket group with my friends in ESPN. But... If Purdue and Florida State, who are having the Final Four, come through for me, I'm looking at a possible top-two finish easily. Not a year to pick the big upsets, as aside from Auburn, a five-seed, and Oregon, a 12-seed who was a top-15 team entering the year, this was a this is a chalk as chalk gets. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, second weekend begins – Tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow evening sometime. I don't know. My days are all fouled up once <laughs> we get to this point in March. I just, I'm just existing until the next basketball game. But that plus MLB season is upon us, and we want to take time to, to shout out a friend of the podcast, a guy who appeared back in January. Uh, Ryan Harper is going to make the Minnesota Twins opening day roster. This will be his second appearance or second time making it in the MLB roster. He got a three-day call-up back when he was with the Mariners but didn't throw a pitch. Hopefully this time around, Harper will also uh, get an opportunity to at least make an appearance and and show the world what he can do as an MLB pitcher. But he'll be up. Um, Sean Kelly, no doubt, will be up as well with the Texas Rangers. And we'll see. Uh, could see an early Tyler Rogers appearance as well. Who knows? Uh, but – Dylan, do you have any predictions for MLB season? Are you a big baseball fan? I know you're a big Red Sox fan. I don't care. Do you have any overarching baseball predictions? I think um, while I don't keep up with the free agency as much as I would do NFL or NBA, um, there's been some interesting moves made of all these big contracts, um, especially uh, I saw the Groms yesterday as well for the Mets. And a lot of people like to hate on the Mets, and, and I, I think the you Mets ha- are doing smart things right now i just like they always regard it as maybe like the the little little the little brother of the, the yankees and so on and so forth but i think you have to to watch out for them it's easy to hate on the season. mets they're still p- paying bobby bonilla a million dollars every july <laughs> yeah. for nothing no i still can't believe that was an actual contract but it's not even the worst one the braves still play still pay bruce sutter who you don't know who that is yeah, i don't know who that is he was a reliever way back when, and they still have to pay him some amount of money each year. Well, Deferred I'm, contracts for the win. <laughs> I'm, I am very confident in the Red Sox' ability to repeat, but again, I think people have to watch out for the Mets. It's a dark horse. I, I really liked it better when the Red Sox were plucky underdogs. Anyway, a little bit closer to home on the diamond. A hard-fought series win against Southeast Missouri to get the Gus back over 500 on the season and up to 6-3 and three in league play. After a series like the one against Tennessee Tech where pitching carried the day, it was good to see the bats break out against the Red Hawks in Cape Girardeau. Game one, the Govs got out to a 4-0 lead after two innings thanks thanks to some small ball, said the supposed sayer of words. The Govs didn't commit an out in the inning's first six batters. Garrett Spain singled. David Martinez singled. Malcolm Tipler was hit by a pitch. John McDonald singled. Matt Johnson singled. And Bobby Head reached on an air to make it 3-0 with the bases loaded and nobody out. Garrett Keeper reached on a fielder's choice to score McDonald to stake that four-run advantage, and that was plenty for Josh Rye, who scattered five hits and two runs over the five innings, and the bullpen took it from there with four innings of one-hit, no-run ball that included seven strikeouts. Game two, the Govs led 4-3 after seven, but a four-run Red Hawk eighth gave the host a 7-4 win to even the series. 
And that set the table for Game 3, an historic second inning in the finale. The Govs scored nine runs in the second frame, with Martinez clubbing two homers in the inning. I don't know when's the last time that happened, and if it isn't in Cody Bush's notes, chances are pretty good it's been a long time. Martinez and Parker Phillips each homer twice in the game, with Phillips' first also in the second inning, serving as number 37 in his career to tie the all-time record, and number 38 coming in the ninth to cap a 10-2 victory for the Govs. The Govs also picked up a midweek win against Middle Tennessee on Tuesday, and you'll know by the time you hear this on Thursday if Austin was able to do the same against Murray State in a rare non-conference contest against a conference foe i have no idea how to describe that any better yeah. than that i I've, Mur- i saw this a couple times i'm like what i don't understand the per- i mean M- murray's come to visit for poops and grins whatever for softball their plan to begin the ovc in edwardsville did not go according to plan and it wasn't uh, the gov's fault um, illness just overcame the SIUE softball team. An outbreak forced the postponement of the governor's supposed season or um, conference opener in Edwardsville. And we were just talking about last week how the Cougars were just coming back from Hawaii. So I guess it's a little karma for getting to go to Hawaii for Not a week. Not the rest and, and relaxation you think yeah. they were hoping for. And But for the Govs, they did get a bit of extra rest and relaxation as they headed to Charleston to play Eastern Illinois um, on the, a day later uh, where they split with the Panthers. Game one was an absolute uh, rout, a 9-0 thumping highlighted by a Morgan Rackle shutout. Rackle, Natalie Schilling, Drew Dudley, and I really got to start bringing pronunciation guides for this. Um, the European in me wants to call her Lexi Osowski. Or Osowski? I'm... To be perfectly frank, I missed the uh, home doubleheader they had a couple of weeks ago, and that's my opportunity to uh, hear that name yeah. said aloud. So you just muddle through it best you can. Well, it's either going to be – surely it's going to be Osowski or Osowski. Okay. So they each – all of those four players each collected two hits with Dudley driv- uh, driving in three more runs, um, two on a double in the fourth, and another on a ground out in the fifth. Game two was – Pretty close, but a three-run EIU third gave the Panthers a 4-1 win despite a Carly Matson home run in the fourth inning to try to cut that deficit, um, but the Govs could not overcome um, the early uh, three-run inning by the Panthers. Uh, Osowski, or Osowski, <laughs> collected three more hits in this one, pushing her season average to 4-2-1, which I've, you know, pretty good again. You know, I'm, I'm not the baseball guru by any means, but when you're hitting – yeah, I noticed that. I, fig- I figured you weren't the b- batted ball guru when you called it f- the season average to 4 2 1. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a pretty good average. And, you know, despite maybe the second game being a little bit of a letdown, you know, they ended up getting a, a split on the road. And as long as you take care of business at home, you know, you may, depending on the performances, especially in the first game, you may be at least somewhat pleased with with a split on the road, especially in a place as hostile and desolate as Eastern Illinois. Very fair. Track and field enjoyed a beautiful couple of days at Vanderbilt, highlighted by Sabrina Richmond, who was runner-up in a stacked 400-meter field, to not only take the lead in that event among OVC competitors, she's in the top 30 among regional competitors, and is sniffing the top 50 in the nation. She anchored the 4x400-meter relay team that took runner-up to close out the event as well. And Richmond, Amelia Tessing, Kyra Wilder, and Lennox Walker each had outstanding individual as well as relay showings as part of an outstanding weekend for the governors. Both tennis teams also kicked off their OVC campaigns last Saturday at home. On the women's side, uh, they absolutely torched Tennessee State. Uh, in straight sets to kick off their <clears throat> OVC play. They're now 13-0 on the year. That was their ninth shutout win, and that was their eighth win when they won every single set of every single doubles and singles match. Um, an absolute domination of every – you, you can't find anything wrong past performance. I'm having to break out of the source to try to come up with new ways to say they're really good. Yeah, and – it was highlighted by Claudianos Garcia moving up to number one singles uh, 
in the in the match and winning in straight sets, obviously. And she is, you know, still undefeated in singles. We got more on her coming up in just a minute. The men also winning by a 7-0 margin as they, at the time, had uh, won their second straight match at home. Um, the Govs also won every single uh singles match in straight sets. Chad Whittem and Jacob Lorino at the time won their third straight uh, doubles match and uh, Christian Edison um, won 6-1, 6-1 number two singles. That was the second largest margin of victory in a Govs singles match this season. On Tuesday, which was, if you're hearing this, probably two days ago. We're recording on Wednesday. But um, the men's tennis team went out of conference for their um, final non-conference bout in a against North Alabama. This is supposed to be about a month and a half ago. got postponed here, so it's a little weird um, how they've started the conference play now and going back to a non-conference game, especially on the road. But, you know, baseball does that too throughout the season. But um, they started off really well, um, won the doubles point, it went off 1-0, and then in the first set of all the singles, the six singles matches, it was split. So North Alabama took three of the first sets, and Austin P took three of the first sets. Unfortunately for the Govs, the three sets that Northern Alabama, uh, North Alabama won, they won the second set of those matches too. So they went up 3-1 pretty much back-to-back-to-back to back to back within the span of like 10 or 15 minutes. That kind of killed all the momentum. Um, and then eventually the eventually the Lions were able to uh, close it out at number three singles. Uh, final score was 5-2. Chad Woodham did win his match at number six singles. Um, he came in the lineup because Anton Denberg could not um, play due to illness against Tennessee State. He won against Tennessee State. He earned his spot back. Uh, Denberg came back in the lineup as well, but Woodham remained in number six singles. Won the first set, lost second, but rebounded um, to win the third set. So, um, you know, some decent individual performances, and if a couple couple breaks go their way, they could be looking at victory. Tough weekend in the Sanford Beach volleyball team with three losses against three quality opponents in Stetson, Florida State, and Arizona at the Seminole Challenge in Tallahassee. I mean, you look at those three names. That is, if you're aspiring to be an NCAA uh, tournament participant, which the Govs obviously are in beach volleyball, uh, this is the kind of foe you're going to run up against. And so, obviously, uh, a, a stiff test, but also a, a good idea or a good a good way for the Govs to get an idea of where they really stand in beach and what they've still got to work on. I mean, Florida State and Arizona are two of the powerhouses in this still burgeoning sport. So for Austin P to, to just get that face time against them is, is invaluable. Had a lot of conference honors of the week across various sports, starting with friend of the pod, Brett Newberg, who won OVC Pitcher of the Week. He tossed four scoreless frames, um, collected two saves, and struck out five of the 12 batters he faced last week to earn that award. Um, we mentioned the tennis teams getting out to a great start in the OVC, uh, OVC opener against Tennessee State. Christian Edison won the Men's Tennis Player of the Week, and Claudia Yanis Garcia was the Women's Tennis Player of the Week. It was Edison's first career weekly honor. He won his doubles match against the Tigers and then won 6-1, 6-1 in singles, uh, both at the number two spots. Claudia Yanis Garcia won her second award this season. She is, again, unbeaten still this spring in singles and dating back to last fall is a 16 and 2 and has won 13 straight matches the all-time record for most matches won is 20 that was set by Vanya Tomic back around a decade ago um, her twin sister Lydia actually got close to that last season she got to 17 so Claudia has still has a chance to to maybe get to that mark if she keeps on um, Sabrina Richmond as we mentioned a little bit earlier she won OVC at track and field athlete of the week after her performance in the 400-meter dash. Her time at Vanderbilt was 55-2-1. Um, pretty good time for what, um, how far we're there along in the season. Um, that was second in a 43-runner field. Best time in the OVC this year and his 27th uh, best time in the region this year. So if she could get that down to, you know, I, I, I was talking to you earlier about 53-5, but even 54, I mean, th within the next month, you know, they're looking at a, you know, high-class runner, especially, um, you know, in, in the region. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of research on it yet just because it's so – we're still so young into the outdoor season. But I think 54-8 is your typical uh, regional mark that's typically been good enough to get into the regional. So uh, not not very far away from it is uh, Sabrina Richmond. 
As they did for the OVC Postseason Awards, both Terry Taylor and Chris Porter-Button were named NABC All-District 19 for the 2018-19 season. Taylor's second honor in a row from the Coaches Association. And, hey, what do you know? We got Terry Taylor in as our guest this week. So we will take a break and bring Terry on right after this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all know him by many names. The GOAT, Headband Terry. I know him as not only one of the best basketball players I've ever seen, but one of the best people to roll through Austin Peay in a few years. Terry Taylor, I'm happy you joined me here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, this morning, uh, something dropped that I didn't put in our list of topics, and that was uh, CB said that you're a difficult roommate because of your propensity for singing in the shower. Would you care to address these accusations? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, whoever rooms with me, I mean, it's going to be, you're going to be kept up like around 12, 1, maybe like the day before games. And uh, I like to take showers and listen to like throwback R&B or maybe like some old gospel every now and then. So and like I sing from the top of my lungs every time, and like I just keep all my my teammates who room with me up, and they tend to not like it. So you have a bunch of different roommates because guys need to get in a rotation of sleep, and if you're singing in the shower at one a.m., that's difficult to do. Um, our coaches just like they randomly like pair us up with different teammates, so like, you know, like we all get accustomed and like room with each other, and besides, we're all comfortable with each other, so it's not like it's gonna be awkward in the room. But yeah, they they've all heard me and had to deal with my singing at one in the morning uh they have my profound sympathies oh. so why basketball um you know uh, i actually grew up liking football more than i like basketball and it was only due to because in middle school um you know i wasn't really like as talented i would say in uh basketball that was football so like i was actually pretty good at football and you know, in middle school, I almost quit because my junior high coach, like, just ruined it for me. And, like, he just made me not, like, hate it. And I, I thought how they carried our junior high program, that's how they, it was going to carry the high school program. So I didn't want to be a part of it. But then my high school, like, coach talked to me about it. and Well, the high school varsity coach talked to me about it. And I was just like, all right, I'll give it a chance. And, you know, I, I got to liking it. And, you know, my grandpa, he was getting, like, uh, he was like really sick at the time, and he was like, "You know, uh, you got to choose either one, basketball or football." And with no hesitation, I said basketball. And uh, ever since then, I've I've never regretted it. Even though a couple of my couple of friends from back home, and even D'Angelo on the football team, even said that I would have been a great tight end at the D1 level. But you know, was that was that your position in junior high? Mm -hmm. I played tight end and defensive end. You know, if the basketball thing doesn't work out, you can always <laughs> use that grad year. Yeah, I could. Um, so, why Austin P? What brought you here? Um, you know, the previous coaching staff, Coach Hogan and Coach Terrell and Coach Bowen and even Coach Lewis, they, like, keyed in on me uh, really well. You know, they, call, they called my grandparents a lot and talked to them more than any coach did. And they'd always check up on me or just come to games and see me play because I'm only an hour away, so it wasn't really a hassle. But just, just them talking to my grandparents and just uh, – just uh, checking up on them instead of me sometimes. Uh, it really showed me that they cared. And then when I came down here for a visit, and uh, I really just liked them. The people just seemed so genuine. And it was just like it was home away from home. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a hour away from home. So I, my little brother get to come see me and my grandparents get to come see me or any other family member that wants to see me. I'm not far away. And just in case something happens back at home, I could easily get to them. So. I think there's a tendency for people around here to assume that you arrived here as this basketball savant who was just naturally talented, but you were under-recruited out of high school and kind of a late bloomer. It was, you know, one day there was this Terry Taylor guy who was a pretty good player, all district, and the next day you were winning 
uh, Kentucky State Tournament MVP. Talk about the work that you put in to becoming the Terry Taylor that we know. Uh, you know, it's it's just I've always had a chip on my shoulder. People's always doubting me in some way uh, due to my height or something that they think I lack. And um, I just stayed I just stayed in the gym, you know, because I, I always got something to prove to somebody, no matter what I do in in, uh, in basketball or how successful I am uh, with the game. You know, I got to always prove myself to people. Um, so even though I won freshman of the year, my freshman year, I still had I still had to prove something to people because people thought I'd go through the sophomore slump and how could I overcome it. And I just saw that as, like, that's an excuse to people. And, you know, I, I stayed in the gym uh, every morning after cla- after my after my classes ended at 11. I got in the gym and I shot at least 500 shots. And then uh, after practice, uh, every now and then, it was like maybe like three times during that during the week after practice, like I'll get shots up uh, when there was a home game stand for us. And, you know, it was just the constant work and just the muscle memory of how my shot was and uh, the moves that I wanted to make and the counter moves just in case people took my favorite moves away. And that was really that was really what uh, I did to become who y'all say I am. Who we say, dude, and who we say you are. I mean, the accolades keep rolling in. It's something different every week, it seems like. What's the biggest thing you worked on from year one to year two? Was it adding another move? Was it developing more from deep? What was it? I think I I had to try to make myself more consistent from deep. Because, I mean, last year, I mean, well, my freshman year, I did. I mean, I shot threes, but it wasn't like how I shot them at the rate probably this year. So I had to make that more of a – a weapon for me and then on top of that I had to work on ball handling just in case uh, I got like smaller people on me and I'm still going to continue that and I just had to change my body uh, so from first from my freshman year to now I jumped like 17 pounds so now I weigh like 234 and I kept that for like most of the season and I think that's really what helped me because it let my body endure all the like all the physical uh, the physical pain that came with the game so what are you trying to put in the bag from year two to year three? Uh, I gotta I gotta get more agile and uh, work on my ball hand a little more because uh, I need to be able to guard the perimeter better and be able to be uh, uh, more diverse for Coach Fig to use like bigger lineups and uh, just in case we want to go small ball and like other teams put like guards at the four or like certain threes at the four, then I can do that too and it won't be a drop off. If you had to pick from one game to the next, would you rather have the sock game be strong or the headband? Uh, I'd rather have the headband. The headband it keeps it keeps the sweat on my eyes and like I just feel better and it's like I don't know it makes me feel makes my body feel cool for some reason. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll choose my headband over my socks any day. What is the selection process for the headband and socks? Is it is it feel? Is there some kind of rotation? Uh, it's just a feel. I mean, I I literally before we uh leave for uh, away games or even home games, I'll literally just for away games I'll just throw socks in there. Like it don't even matter. I won't be like, oh, I want to wear this sock or that sock. It's I gotta. I'm just gonna put socks in there so I have enough, so I won't be wearing like stinky socks during the uh during the trip. Uh, but home games, I just grab a pair. If I've already wore a pair like during practice or sometime during the week, I won't put that pair on for the game. So that's that's how that comes down to. Why do you have to push a pillow in the floor in order to fall asleep? Uh, it started in high school. One day I just couldn't sleep, and at home I have like seven pillows on my bed, more than the, the average person should have. But uh, I don't think I got seven pillows in my house. Yeah, I had seven on my bed. Um, and, like, I couldn't sleep, so I just threw a pillow on the floor. And, like, five minutes later, I was out. And, like, I just kept doing it and doing it. And it just became a habit. And uh, when I threw it in the floor, Zach, Zach looked at me all perplexed. And he was just like, well, why'd you throw a pillow on the floor? I was like, I can't sleep until the pillow's in the floor. And he was like, that's weird. And then he seen that, like, ten minutes later, I was out. And like I wouldn't even play music no more, and he was—he's just like shocked about it. CB seen it, Richard seen it, uh, Jared seen it, Jabari seen it. They—they 
they they could all tell you like I'll throw that pillow on the floor and that's when that's when I'm done. That's one of the stranger idiosyncrasies I've ever heard of. Uh, let's talk about the guy that you beat out for freshman of the year two years ago and the guy that took the league and some would say the NCAA by storming this year, and that's Murray State's Ja Morant. Why are you just as good or even better? Um, you know, that's kind of a hard one, but, you know, we are we play two different positions and two different styles. But I don't know. I just feel like I personally, like, do more. I can do more. I, I can rebound. Uh, I can block play the post I can I can guard on the perimeter just a little bit um I feel I shoot I can shoot it better but you know he he's a great player I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take nothing away from him you know he's he's an exceptional passenger he's an exceptional passer uh great athleticism and he just he just he, the way he changes speeds in the game is incredible so I'm not gonna never knock nothing from him because you know he's a great player and there's a reason that he's going top top three in the NBA this upcoming draft and you know best wishes for him tell me a little bit about your NCAA football wars with Trace Huggins and Jacob Freeze this is a good opportunity for you to defend yourself because they say they beat on you all the time uh so we I went back home at Christmas this is how it all started I went back home when we went back home for Christmas I found my old PlayStation 3 and I had uh, two controllers with it, and I still remember I had NCAA 14 downloaded on it. Uh, and I brought it back, and I told Freezing him, I was like, "If y'all want, if y'all want butt whoopings, just play me NCAA 14." They was like, "You got it?" I was like, "Of course." So we started playing it, and like after a while, like I was the only one really winning. So like, I think I went on like a six to seven game win streak, and then out of nowhere, for like three weeks, I was like at least losing two games every weekend to them, and I was like. All right, so I didn't play him for like a week, a week and a half because I was getting annoyed by it. And then like the, recently, I haven't lost a game to him. I'm like six and zero. I beat Trace four times by a combined like ninety some points. Ooh. And then I beat Freeze by ten, but we didn't get to finish the game. But that's pretty much how that's been going. Dang, Freeze talk or uh, Trace is talking a lot of junk too. Yeah. Uh, Another of your idiosyncrasies, why do you have to make a half-court shot before every practice? Uh, that started in high school. Uh, my high school coach, uh, every time we would, like, get on the court and he'll make sure everybody's on the court uh, that's practicing for varsity, um, we would – he'd be like, all right, baseline, and we'll do, like – and we'll get loose and do our stretches and whatnot before we do our uh, our drill call perfection. Uh, I'll always shoot a shot from, like, half-court and – Regardless if I make it or not, like, I don't know. I just it just seems like a great way for me to start my day and or start practice. And if I hit it, then it's gonna be a really good day. I feel like, but that's where it all started. Starting high school, and like my coach never said nothing to me, and Coach Fig really never said nothing. Coach Fig kind of like enjoys watching it, so I'm just like, why not keep doing it? Murray and Belmont being the class of this league for a long time now. It feels like in some in some ways we've done a lot of catching up, but as we saw this year, they also stepped up their game. Mm-hmm. What do you got to do over these next two years to really push Austin P up to that level? Um, well, you know we got well we graduated five seniors, and you know we got like six new freshmen coming in next year. So, as me being one of the main people who's played the most games out of everybody, and who's the most experienced on this team, I've got to, like, take control. So during the summer, I ask Coach Fig, like, whenever he has his team meeting, our team meeting, like, I got to I gotta just, like, lay lay down, like, the foundation for everybody. Like, I got to I gotta tell all the freshmen and even some of the people that was here last year, like, yo, like, it's, it's a new year. Like, we're not going to sit here and, you know, make up all this stuff about special season. We're just going to go out and do it, like. And we're going to hold each other accountable. We got to hold each other accountable and not, like, let little stuff slide because then later on in the year it becomes a problem and, you know, a habit. And we can't – we got to nip that in the butt right there. And then, you know, don't take don't take it personal. Like, it's your brother, it's your family. Like, we're going to we're gonna try to help you out the best way because we want you to succeed as long as the team succeeds. So that's one, that's one way. And then, you know, I got to be the best me every day, as Coach Fig says. Like, I got to – is being the upperclassman and being the 
main person who's uh coming back from last year's team um i gotta i gotta show up every day i can't take days off or because there have been times i took days off i can't do that this year because all if the younger guys see it then they'll see that oh if terry can do it then i can do it and i can't i can't allow them to do that because then i'm cheating our team from being what we all want to be and what we should be and that's obviously champions and playing in march so i think i think it just really starts for me as a leader and i gotta i gotta work on you know stepping up and being more vocal so it sounds like you've already like this is not something that's gonna fester until next fall you're already taking the steps to assume the leadership role right now yes sir uh well that's good um Take me through the forty-two point game against Moorhead State. That was that was insane. Um, you know, going like at the time, uh, you know, we were down for for a bit. CB had just got his second foul. Uh, CB picked up two really really yeah, quick. Yeah, like ones he in that picked game. up two quick ones like within the first thirty seconds. And you know, Moorhead, you know, they seen that and they took advantage of it because Coach Vic had to play somebody who wasn't like ready to just jump in like quick into the game. But um, yeah, like, so I did the best I could in the first half, you know, trying to keep our team in and just, you know, just keep it upbeat because you know the game was kind of dead playing in Moorhead, and so like I was just trying to keep keep it alive and you know just do the best I can until CB got in. Uh, well, CB came in first half because coach was just like, I got to play you, just be smart. And he came in and he hit that three. And then I was like, all right, well, he's here to play with me. So I'm going I'm to just go, I'm going to go to war. And me and him can uh, go to war together. Yeah. Then second half came, uh, coach started, he called a play for me. I think it was motion, I think it was uh, motion two down or something like that. Uh, he called it and I got an and one. And then after that, like I just I just scored in flurries. Like I blacked out honestly. Like when I I tell people all the time, like I blacked out. Like I just I just wasn't paying attention. I was just like shooting and just playing the game. And then whenever I hit a three on the side and they called a timeout, I looked at Coach Cabrera and Coach Cabrera just like he was just shocked at what was what he was seeing. And Coach Fig looked at me. He was like, you know, you just pull that you just pull that shot out your butt. And I was just like. You know, I don't know. He said, he said, and then, like, later on in the game, uh, they started catching back up, and he was like, my man here has, like, 39 points. He said, feed him the ball. And, like, I hadn't even known at the time that I had that many points. I was just playing. And then he was, and like, I looked up on the scoreboard, and sure enough, I had 39. I was like, wow, like, I'm going ridiculous. I'm going bonkers right now. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> and then after the game, my my phone was just blowing up from people back home and people on Snapchat was telling me like that's how you're feeling like it was just crazy. You mentioned uh, your grandparents a couple of times. Why are they such big influences in your life? Um, you know, uh, so I lived with them ever since I was two. You know, I was born in Nashville and uh, I moved up. I moved up here. Oh, I moved up to Baltimore when I was two, and my. And like they just, they just treat, they just treated me like their own child. They didn't like just treat me as a grandchild. Like to this day, my my grandma calls me son. She don't even call me her grandson. She calls me her son. So, um, and just just the way that they carry themselves, like they always, no matter if they was hurting or they was sick, like they would always get up, take me to school, take me to practice, pick me up from games, take me to games, um, give me money if I needed it. Um, or if they, my grandpa, he works at a funeral home sometimes. And, like, if he felt sick, he'd still get up and go. Or if he uh, was, like, down and out, he'll still go to church regardless if he was feeling bad. You know, my grandma, she's had multiple knee surgeries. And, like, she still got up and, like, she, she'll she go to the store. She'll try, to, she'll try to do everything under the sun regardless of how her knee is. And I'm just like, sit down. She's like, I can't. Like, I got so much I want to do and so much I think so much things to do and I'm like you're like 75 like what are you doing relax <laughs> just sit down you know you know you're making it hurt worse she was like she'd be like oh well and she'll just continue to do what she do and I just find it amazing that like no matter what what life has thrown at them you know they've always bounced back and you know it just showed me like no matter how many times like I I fail or fall like I can always bounce back and 
you know, God will have greater things waiting for me. So, like, these two years right now, like, you know, we haven't we haven't came to our destination. We haven't came to what we wanted and we felt. But in these next two years, I feel like it's going to change. Like, we're going to we're gonna make that step to uh, the OVC title and get it, in my opinion. So, Good deal. All right. Time for the questionnaire that everybody answers to close out their portion of the Q&A. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well... Me and my me and my roommates, uh, Jared. Well, it's f- it's four of us. Uh, it's me, Jared, Rich, and Dayton, and we all like every now and then you'll just hear you'll just hear all of us say like thrice or like it's something that has like thrice gang or gross. Like me and Jared, we'll literally like sit in the um, in the apartment and like every time somebody say something weird, we'll be like that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Uh, my least favorite word. Uh, I don't. I don't think I really have a least favorite word. Cause like, if there's, anybody, if there's anybody, not a word you hear that just kind of makes your skin crawl. Mm-mm. If I if somebody say a word, I like ask them about it, and like, I'll end up making it a joke. I may end up making a joke out of it or something. So I mean, it ain't it ain't really too many words that like could just like make my skin crawl. Who or what inspires you? My my grandparents. I kind of figured that. My grandparents and, you know, uh, ever since I got here, I've tried to, like, get closer into the Bible and whatnot. So, you know, just trying to be a man of God is really trying to inspire me. And, you know, I, I've, tried, I've tried to take that more seriously than I have in the in previous, previously in my life. And just being, just being a good role model for my little brother, just showing him that, like, you know, no matter, like, what what we go through or uh what we may have been surrounded by like we can always we can always like overcome it and just and just use sports <laughs> to um or sports or even school like he don't even have to play sports and i'll still love him the same and treat him the same and i'll go do whatever it is with him like he could be in the band like i'll be there so it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter as long as he's not in the streets or he's doing something he's not supposed to he's not supposed to be doing and you know it will be fine. What's the last book you read for fun? Last book I read for fun. Uh, it was probably last book I probably read "To Kill a Mockingbird" for fun. Yeah. Hmm. Like after we read it, I think my freshman year of high school or sophomore year, I went back and read it. I just liked it. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say I I remember having to read it in high school, but I don't remember anybody revisiting it. Yeah, I revisited. It was just it was just different to read. I was I was fascinated by it, uh, and it's kind of like I don't know. So that stuff happens today too, though. It oh yeah, totally. Book, so I don't know. It's just it's just cool to think, um, cool to see like how it happened back then, and it's still a re- kind of recurring theme now. So I just revisited and read it, but after that, I don't I don't really read books no more. I used to I used to love reading. What is your worst habit? My worst habit. <laughs> Anybody who ever listens to this or you can ask my teammates and they absolutely hate it, but it happens. I can't I mean I can't knock it, but so like it's two things. So if I'm talking to somebody, like I can't look at them for like ten seconds, like I'll just space off somewhere. <laughs> like I don't know why. He's doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, so like it it just happens. Like I can't help it. It'll always be a thing. And then um, like if you're talking to me and I'm and I'm on my phone, I'm never I'm like act, I'm not what is it? I can't think of it. Uh, selective hearing is what people call it. Not paying attention. Basically, okay. I mean, they'll be talking to me and they'll be like, Terry, are you listening? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm listening. Then they be like, what did I just say? I'm like, I'll, I'll I'll say the last thing they just said and then they'll get mad. Like, my own girlfriend gets mad at me about it. I'm just like, man, like, she's like, why ain't you listening to me? I'm like, uh, Twitter right now, videos, that's what's going on. And she's like, get off your phone. I'm just like, you're yours too. So, I mean, what's the problem here? And she just like, she just laughs about it at times. So Glad when I need something from you, I text you rather than try to talk to you about it. <laughs> what is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Most terrifying situation? Oh, uh, the most terrifying it was probably when I was 
seven. I know I was eight. I was eight, and then me and my grandma and my cousins, we were uh, we were um, turning. We was turning uh, by this church or whatever, and like a drunk driver was coming down a one way street and hit us, and like I didn't know. I, like as soon as he hit us, like I blacked out, and next thing you know, I just hear police and ambulances outside, and I wake up and I'm just like, "What's going on here?" And then, like I just see my grandma up there, and like she's, I mean she's conscious, but like she's still like kind of out of it, and like my cousins are crying, and my lo- and like they're out the car and they're trying to get me out of the car. I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on, and then, uh, you know. They get me out and like I just see him like cut my grandma out of the car with the jaws of life and put in an ambulance and I just broke down like that was like one of the worst moments I could ever see as an eight year old like my like I didn't want to lose my grandma at the time like she meant too much to me and uh, at the time I just thought the worst things and it, that really hit me when I was younger so I was but you know she's all good now she had to like learn how to rewalk and all that but you know now she. I should just walk around this uh, around this court every time y'all see her with her little walker. So, dang dude, that's a life altering moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it was it was bad. Like I just I just I'll never forget it either because like it just happened so quick. As soon as we turned, boom! I was like, mm. and the hardest part was having to see my grandpa like come like come home and like not see his wife there like I couldn't imagine being married and like you know you being so used to seeing somebody and sleeping next to somebody like for 50 years and just seeing and just not knowing they're not there like you could tell he was upset but he was trying to be strong for like me and whoever came through the house but like you could tell it hit hit home with him whenever he knew she wasn't gonna be there for a while I'm going to try to take a left turn and go for something else. Uh, what is your idea of happiness? My idea of happiness. You know, my idea of happiness is just being out with my friends or my girlfriend or she's with us, you know, just cutting up and having a good time. Like, you know, I go I go to parties sometimes, but, like, I like to do different things. I like to go to the movies or if – uh, I'm not even that good at it, but if we want to go like to City Forum and putt putt, or just go to Top Golf or something, I'm all for it. Like I want to get out and like do things instead of like partying and other and other things. So that's, that's you like my, variety. Yeah, I like that's my and just goofing off and just you know making jokes and being silly. Like that's that's what happiness is for me. And every time you every, you can ask any one of my teammates, I'm always somewhere being goofy and you know just trying to lighten the mood up. Like, it's a bad thing, but, like, after losses, like, after a couple hours and, you know, people just quiet on the bus, like, I'll find some way to just, like, try to lighten the mood, like, because I don't don't like people being upset, like, it's just not, it's just not a way to live in my book, like, you got to always be happy and, like, just look on the bright side of things. What's your idea of misery? (laughs) Uh... I feel like just worrying about the wrong things. That's that's what misery is to me. Like, you can't worry about what the next man is doing or what what you think might happen or what could happen. Like, you just gotta just live and just go with the flow and just you know, if something happens, then it, it was meant to happen. Like, you can't people who like worry about things like that. They just aren't living a happy life or whatnot. So that's what it is for me. What makes you self conscious? Um. Uh, if people don't think like I'm a good person, in some way, yeah, like I've had I've had people think I'm not a good person. Like in high school, I had a girlfriend. Like her parents didn't think I was good people. You know, like she told me one time, like she has like guidance counselors, like what kind of person I am or whatnot. And she she probably thought she thought the worst of me. And they told her, no, I'm sweet and like I'm actually a good person and a good guy. And Why did she agree to go out with you? She thought all this. No, the mom. Oh, the mom. <laughs> but it was just, you know, it is what it is, and I can't really, can't really let people's uh, opinion, uh, you know, dictate who I am. I mean, I always, always tell Bailey, like, you know, uh, people's always gonna have their opinions, or people's gonna always have their own, their, their own, like, 
their own ideas and things they uh believe in like you can't you can't just like get mad about it because at the end of the day everybody don't think the same so what is the most embarrassing song that you love (laughs) uh so i don't know why but like every time it pisses it pisses Dayton off and like Dayton just like takes the ox cord away from me and Jared but like we'll play like some big time rush song or some old Justin Bieber and play it <laughs> and and Dane's like he's like what the hell is this and we're just like you know and we're just over here singing he's like you know what that's that's it we're done and he'll just unplug it and you know he's like y'all don't get the ox no more for a while and we're like come on man that was the jams like what are you doing and you know how would you prefer to die uh you know that's that's never i that's something i don't even think about to be honest like but i feel like if i had the choice you know uh it would probably be like in my driveway uh crossing over my grandchildren for the game winning shot that 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 would be my like way of going out. It's like, but then you know my grandchild had to see me die in front of his face while winning the game. So I kind of have pop pop hits the step back and then collapses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's like ah, uh, I got I got the last I got the last say so I got the last ha ha in this in this kind of <laughs> moment right here. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Oh. Uh, what would I like to come back as? I'll probably come back like as a dog. Man, everybody loves coming back as dogs. Like I, I just want to see like the world as a dog. Like it's a lot of eating and sleeping. I think that's the life. Yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. That's the life. Like who wouldn't just want to eat, sleep, and get loved on? <laughs> I mean, you I'm wrong. I'm I'm with it. Like bring me back as a as a pit or something. Like I'll be fine. Just love on me and feed me and give me somewhere to sleep i'll be fine for the next like 14 years i'm here with you fair what might prompt you to lie what might prompt me to lie um i feel like if well i don't know it just depends zach answered this one truthfully you gotta give me something what what he say <laughs> I don't even remember as many. Zach's was like 20 episodes ago. I can't really remember, but he did answer it truthfully. What, prompt, what prompts me to lie? Um, so, it's weird. Because, like, when I'm telling the truth, like, I tend to laugh. So, I guess, like, <laughs> if you catch me being serious and, like, trying to cape the serious face, then, like, that that's the lie. Like, if I'm over here, like... And then I just start laughing, then, yeah, like, I'm I'm lying about something. So, like, but if I'm laughing the whole time, I just find it funny that you think I would do a certain thing, or I just find it funny that uh, you think I'm lying, so. <laughs> what makes you hopeful? Uh, what makes me hopeful? Um, my grandparents, like, they... They they just make they just make me hopeful about everything. They've always made me hopeful. Like I said, seeing them, you know, do what they do and overcome what they come, they just make me hopeful for anything. So nothing's nothing's out of reach for me or you know, nothing's ever like set in stone or down for me, um, unless God says so. But as far as I know, you know, I can always control things and that makes that makes me hopeful about a lot of things. What's our purpose in life? Our purpose in life. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how everybody else might perceive it, but I think our purpose in life is, you know, to is to live live for God and you know, and you know, just be the best people we can be possibly. So like, you know, we got we got to do right by God, and then on top of that, you know, you just gotta you just gotta live life and you know, not try to break the Ten Commandments at that too. So. Well, obviously, the last question for you is what's next? I mean, obviously, there's at least another year here. The NBA may be calling before too much longer. Um, Well, for now, you know, I'm still an Austin P basketball player. And, you know, what's next is getting the, getting the younger guys here and just, 
you know, working towards the OVC uh, championship that I feel we're going to win this year. I feel like coaches bringing the right guys in and, uh, you know, we still got good pieces coming from last year and, you know, and he's very optimistic about like the team he's bringing in. And I am too, uh, you know, we're bringing in a lot of, a lot of good, like tough nosed kids and, uh, score and people who can score in many ways. I'm talking many, many of ways. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what's in my future right now, uh, is winning that OVC title. But you know, if the NBA calls, calls me and you know, I'm for sure about it, then, you know, that's a blessing. Cause you know, most, not a lot of, I don't even think a lot of kids or a lot of people from where I'm from, they even make it like to the NBA, let alone play college basketball, like all four years, you know, some of them like give it up or, you know, they just think, ah, you know, I didn't go D1, so I'm not even going to do it. Or, you know, they just didn't think the NBA was a reach, but, or a destination for them. But I don't feel, I don't feel that way. You know, ever since I was, I was about like 10, I've always thought I could make it to the NBA. Like, I didn't care where, uh, I didn't care how tall I would have got or whatever. I thought I could always make it if I just put in the work. So, and you know, I'm never gonna stop working on my game and whatnot. Like I could be in the position of like Steph Curry and I'm always still gonna like have that chip on my shoulder and like prove to people like who doubted me and said I couldn't, I couldn't make it, so. Well, you're racing doubters every game it seems like. Uh, Terry, thank you for coming in today, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Terry Taylor for coming on today and uh, spending a few, uh, a few, almost 40 minutes of his downtime uh, pontificating on all manner of things. Uh, as we look ahead to this weekend, the north end of Drain Street is going to be a busy spot this weekend with both baseball and softball hosting. The baseball governors will bring a five-game homestand to an end by hosting Belmont for a three-gamer beginning Friday at Raymond Seaham Park. Last year, Newberg had himself a three-homer game at Belmont as the Govs took the first two games against the Bruins down in Nashville. Two years ago, the last time Belmont came to visit, the Govs dropped game one before rallying to take the final two. In game two, the Govs got a five-run lead before Belmont tied it at eight, with Parker Phillips eventually driving in the go-ahead run in the sixth, while in the rubber match, Newberg, once again, started and tossed five solid innings for the win. Oh, and the Govs will all <laughs> the Govs will also make a trip to Nashville in the midweek to take on Lipscomb. Both OVC schools from the Music City will also visit the Austin P softball team this weekend with Belmont coming Friday and then Tennessee State paying a Sunday visit. The Govs took all three from these teams last year on the road, including an eight-inning two-hit shutout by, of course, Morgan Rackle. Whoever would have guessed that Morgan Rackle would have been behind a great pitching performance for the Austin P softball team. That was against that was in game one against Belmont last season. Bailey Shorter drove in the only run of that game and hit a homer in the second against the Bruins a year ago, while Casey Acree homered and tripled in the 2018 regular season finale against the Tigers. And the Gubs will also open April with a midweek non-conference doubleheader against North Alabama, who might as well I'll just go ahead and join the OVC as often as we've mentioned them the last two weeks because speaking of UNA hey guess what they'll be here to play beach volleyball on Thursday that's right maybe even as we post this the Guzzin Lions will be squaring off in front of the Dunn Center it's a big week of events for beach volleyball which travels to Moorhead State that hotbed of beaches and volleyball this weekend and also hosts UT Martin next Wednesday both golf, both golf programs will be in action over the weekend, with the women's program going to Richmond, Kentucky, for the Colonel Classic hosted by uh, EKU beginning Friday. Uh, fifth year in a row, the women's program has gone to Richmond for this event. Uh, last year was a bit of a chore, as Megan Stamps and Ashton Goodley had to battle the course and dour weather to tie for 20th. But two years ago, nice weather helped the Govs finish fifth 
with both Taylor and Ashton Goodley in the top 20 in that event. The men are off to Spartanburg, South Carolina for the Wofford Invitational, which begins Monday, and I would tell you more about it at present. I have absolutely no frame of reference for anything that's going to transpire. Spartanburg is a place that I, to paraphrase our friend Van Stokes, spent a month in one weekend. It's quite lovely, and I assume their country club is equally lovely, so uh, be sure to check letsgop.com for more information when I have it. That's, that's the best I can tell you. Tennis, both tennis teams continuing their OVC campaigns, and we think we're going to get more of a stern test for both teams uh, this weekend. You know, Tennessee State obviously has improved a lot from, you know, what they were, but again, maybe not the best competition for, for, for OVC tennis. Uh, going to Jacksonville State, both teams um, of the Gamecocks have had decent starts, although the men, before defeating Eastern Illinois on the road in the OVC opener 6-1, they had lost their previous four matches. So, Maybe in a little bit bad run of form. Both teams haven't played as home that often, so it's almost like their away matches are counting for home almost. They've, they, the women have only played three. I think the men have only played four. So, um, you know, the Govs could maybe take advantage of that. The the Gamecocks have gotten some decent results. They did defeat North Alabama, who the Govs just dropped uh, the decision on on Tuesday. Um, they had a close loss against Kennesaw State, which um, – that uh, was 4-3. The Govs also dropped a match to them as well earlier in the year. On the women's side, um, they ended up sweeping the OVC opening weekend. They also traveled to East Illinois for a 4-3 victory. That was narrow. And then maybe give themselves a little bit more breathing room against SIUE uh, with a 6-1 victory there. Um, both teams have had you know good records on paper. The women are actually 9-2 with a perfect 8-0 away record. Only 1-2 at the season at home, but they have won their last three matches. And prior to that, they had lost their previous two. So it's kind of a bit of a um, – both teams have had a bit of runs for winning and losing streaks. So hopefully the Guts can uh, take advantage. For track and field this weekend represents one of the biggest weeks on the schedule. The Florida Relays, where only the best of the best can be chosen to compete and show out in an event that is as close as you can get to regional competition until you qualify for one. It will be interesting to see who makes the trek to Gainesville. Richmond is a likely choice. Wouldn't be surprised if Lennox Walker is in as well. Neither Savannah Amato nor Daisha Hicks competed last week for precautionary reasons, but they could sit another week if necessary. Any god that qualifies is going to guarantee to face some of the sports elite, which tends to bring out the best in any competitor. And for community service opportunities, go see Haley Jacoby. Um, you have Mana Cafe, Buddy Ball, Burton Elementary. You know, those are our usual stops. You know, you got weekly opportunities there. Uh, two things of note for April 6th that we've been talking about for a, a few weeks now. Um, the big event is the yearly campus uh, initiative, or yearly campus, yearly campus service initiative, excuse me. And also you have the father-daughter date night at the Wilma Rudolph Event Center. And I really don't have an idea what they're, they're looking for there in terms of it's just you know, they need uh, bodies, so they, go be a they, body. They need, yeah. So um, go go holler at Haley Jacoby for that. Uh, April 4th is the etiquette dinner at the UC Ballroom, 25 seats available. Combs, your contact point. I'd say, uh, I think we hit on this one last week, so it's probably full by now, but if you'd like a meal or you just want to talk to Combs, because who wouldn't want to talk to Combs, uh, go see him anyway. And while you're doing that, why don't you get in touch and stay in touch with us via web and social media. Dylan, where do people go to find us on social media? You can find us everywhere on the internet at letsgop.com. You can follow us <clears throat> on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at letsgop. You can follow every single individual sports teams uh, at their respective Twitter handles. With the spring football game coming up, uh, shout out to Taylor Wiseman and uh, Tyler Davis. They'll be getting some, some great stuff out there for their spring football game as well as, well as all the spring sports coming up. Mention letsgop.com for dates, news, and stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stephan L.A., and myself, we do a lot of things over there that you may be interested in. And if you're not interested in them, go to letsgop.com and support our work anyway. And if you need tickets, go visit Katie Locke and Sydney Hooper. They have you in the ticket office. It's a great baseball weekend against Belmont. Everybody should come on out. And I think that Colby wrote this last part. Oh, yeah. For him, I was, so I was going to say that I think I'm going to bring the kid on Sunday after we get back from finalizing his adoption in Jersey. So if you like babies or want to watch my kid house a popcorn tub the size of a six-year-old, we'll see you there. Sorry, I wrote this script super late. There's been some, I've been going back through this going, wow, there's some typos. Ugh. <laughs> Not, some of it's not my finest work, but Dylan muddled through anyway. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Now my, the yeah, next now part's yeah, mine, yeah. too. <laughs> Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, directly on the website at letsgobe.com slash podcast. Give us a rating review on the podcast. If you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Implore me to write more or better material for Dylan. <laughs> Tweet at us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at Dylan Schwartz, and we'll talk to what and or about I you next week. Become. My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the air And you could have